All right, guys, welcome to episode number 14 of the Journeyman Firefighter Podcast. Today we have Jared Sergi of Norfolk Fire Rescue and also Trial by Fire. Today we're going to talk about his book, No Nonsense Leadership. Uh, Jared's a pretty squared away dude and been talking about leadership for a long time. And uh, we're going to start really with a little thing I highlighted in the book, and it's actually one of the last chapters you talked about, Dominique, who was a, a, sailor, a sailor of yours. and he talked about wanted you to come back and pin anchors on his collar when he finished up, and uh, you did that for him. So this is a little bit I highlighted, and I, I really like this. This is one of the biggest things I took away from the book. And uh, here we go. There's one thing that he, one thing he does remember. He remembers the way people made him feel and what they taught him. He remembers the time we took out of our day to help him. He remembers what others did for him and his professional development as a young sailor. What you do matters. Always remember that. I don't care how frustrated you grow at times, know that you have an important responsibility to mentor, coach, develop, and take care of the people in your firehouse. You are their company officer, be their company officer. Uh, I think that's perfect, man. I think a lot of folks uh, don't look at it or don't take the responsibility, don't think of the seriousness of it. Uh, I know I talk to people all the time that what you do matters. I think we oftentimes can forget about that. Um, why don't you tell us about that little, talk about Dominique and what, what that meant to you and what that meant to him. Yes. It, I, it was huge to me, man. When he, when he asked me that I was kind of caught off guard because, you know, I'm like, well, I'm leaving the Navy, you know, it was, I'm out of here and he's staying. It's, it's like, I thought for sure he would grab somebody else. In fact, I was surprised he was even thinking about that, that step. Cause that was a few promotions away from him, you know, but he was already, already thinking about that and that, that moment and how important that was to him. And, you know, I tell people all the time, like that he could have picked anybody else and they'd have been awesome, I'm sure. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that helped him. But it's just that it's just that early moment in his career is what mattered. And, you know, I ask people all the time, usually when I'm doing my presentations, like how many people in here are somebody's first officer? You know, and like you're their fire department. Like it's you have such a huge responsibility when it comes to doing all that stuff I mentioned, you know, the training, the mentorship and all that. And it's and it's sometimes you don't see the, you know, the fruits of your labor, I guess, if you will, until later, you know, like Dominique, myself, and the other guys in the shop, it's like, we're just doing what we're supposed to do, right? We're teaching the guy the right way to do things, passing on some, some knowledge, some training and everything else. And, you know, and years later, it's like, oh, wow, that, that actually matters. What, what we do, people remember that kind of stuff. And right. in the firehouse, it's no different, you know, whether it's a rookie or anybody that's transferred to your station, like you have a responsibility as an officer because, they're going to talk about you. You know, the fire department is right. Five, 10 years later, you're going to remember it as a good one who did things the right way, or they're going to remember you as a total dud who didn't do anything for them. And, and people will remember that. They'll remember what you taught them. They'll remember the way you made them feel and, and hopefully they're doing the right thing. Yeah. I always think about it like, like kids almost like your, your kids are always watching you. They don't act out all the time, but you know, uh, four years down the road, they do something, a bad habit that you, you showed them years ago. And I think it's no different in the firehouse. I, I look at folks all the time and I, I look at, uh, and you reference, you know, who's your first captain. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I know I looking at who my first captain was, I definitely took a lot away from him, but people forget that they're watching. They may not do it today or tomorrow or weeks or months from now, but you start looking at a crew and you go, man, why is that guy, what happened to him? Yeah, what right. happened to her? And then you go, huh? Oh, never mind. Hey, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, Billy, Billy Bob's their captain, whoever it is, you know, and you go, you go, wow, never mind. You know, and then next thing you know, you see them go work somewhere else so they get transferred out and you're like, huh, 
hey, what happened to him now? He, ch he changed. He's better off. Or what, what happened? I, I think for people forget, like you said, they're always watching. Oh, yeah. Always I judging. I know I am. Yeah, well, I did the same thing. I mean, I think it's only natural. Like, you know, firefighters are looking at their company officers. The company officers are looking at their chiefs. And all the way to the top, that just, that's just the way it is, you know? Yeah. So where did you get motivated? Like, where did you start? Where did you get motivated for leadership? You were in the Navy. You started in California. You want to be on the job. And then you yeah. got in the Navy. And it, I'm assuming everything started there for you? Yeah, I feel like the Navy. Because, you know, it's not like I was – you know, when I was an explorer and I, I was interested in the fire service, I was never, I didn't have this passion to just like, man, I really have a passion for leadership. It was just, I'm just doing my thing. And uh, I honestly think the military, I, I think the military is like I said, the military gets it right. I think when it comes to leadership development and because it's just, you're forced into it. You know, it's not like you can go into the military and say, no, I'm good here. Uh, I'm not going to promote. Like you either promote and you step up or at least when I was in there, I think it's still the same way. Uh, they kick you out. You know, like if right. you don't step up to a certain level, you're done here kind of a thing. And I think the Navy in particular has some really fancy words now. They call it perform to serve. So it's like you got to do well in order to continue to serve. They don't just say, all right, well, you didn't, you didn't, you know, you didn't step up, you're out of here kind of a thing. Um, right. But it's just like it just, they force it upon you. So it was either step up or step out. So I had like my officers and chiefs, they really kind of pushed that on to me. And, the importance of good followership and good leadership and things like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is important. I like this kind of stuff. Um, so it just, that's where it started for me. And then in the fire department, it's, you know, it's, it's really not a whole lot different. The fire department and the military, it's very, very similar. Um, you know, like I hear people tell me all the time, like, man, I wish I had I spent some time in the military, like people in the fire department are like, yeah, I get that. But what you're doing now is very, very similar. You know, the, the small teams, the cohesion, the, the structure, you know, it's, it's very similar, but that's, that's kind of where it all started for me, man, was, was the Navy. And I saw the ability for me to, to be in a position and influence people. And I was like, man, I like this. I can, I can build a culture. I can build an attitude. I can build a reputation. Like I want to keep doing that and try to help other people do it as well. So that's definitely where it started. Yeah. You talk about building a culture and, and building a, a product. And I think it's frustrating when you're, you're new uh, and you're motivated, you, you want to change the world and you think uh, you, know, you can change the world like that, but you have to think long-term. And if you don't promote or you don't make the effort or you don't just be patient, you're not going to promote that culture. And I, I think you have from the outside looking in um, you've had some successes, obviously in the different companies you've gone to. Um, what are some of the bigger bigger successes you've had as a company officer, would you say that not, not to pump your ego up, but Hey, you've gone back and gone, Hey, wow. I'm surprised they're not. Hey, that really worked out for us. Yeah. So for me, it's like the little things. Like I don't, I don't have a lot of stories. You know, I haven't been in the fire department in a long time. You know, it was my 15th year. So mm -hmm. I don't have stories of, you know, the guys that I've, I've worked with and for like, they're just now getting to positions where maybe they're going to take the test and promote things like that. So seeing them start to take promotional exams, uh, and then getting promoted. I mean, that's always a great feeling, but, but I haven't had a lot of that experience, right? I, I just don't have that time in yet. But for me, it's doing the stuff we see around the station and whether it's training or stuff on the fire ground or, you know, in the back of an ambulance, whatever it is, anything with our job. Um, and then seeing them go around and teach other people how to do those things. Or, or one of my guys will be out and it's like, Hey, somebody was asking me about how we do something over here. You know, it's like, they're curious, right? Like what's going on down there at station one. Um, so that's what, that's what makes me feel good is, is seeing that other people are utilizing 
uh, us as a resource and not because we know it all. I mean, we, we're, we're wrong all the time. We make mistakes. We're not perfect, but yeah. uh, they see that culture that we're building. Right. And it's like, hmm, like what's, what's going on over there. So when I see my guys becoming uh, those go-to people for others, even outside of our station, our battalion, uh, I like seeing that. So that's, that's what does it for me for sure. Yeah, I think that builds, like you said, the culture. Uh, you have to start somewhere. And uh, I think you, you get into a station, like you build a culture, and you think everyone else just needs to come on board. Well, if you can't take care of your own house and then slowly build that outside and create that lead by example, basically, no one else is really going to get on board or, or pick up. And I know sometimes, I speak for myself, we used to always have issues. We didn't have a ladder truck at the station, but we always wanted that ladder truck in front of the building. Well, it's easy to bitch about another station not putting it appropriately but i was like yeah. hey look i was like dude you got to worry about yourself here you got to worry about that engine and where we place it and then from there we can slowly have that conversation but oh yeah, yeah absolutely. those are definitely what um i don't know if you want to put this out there but uh what kind of what kind of failures give us give us one do you think failure or something you were like man i wish i did that differently or hey maybe you change your your mantra on something so honestly i think sometimes my approach to how I think other people should be, right? So, um, <clears throat> and truthfully, I've probably damaged some relationships and made people like, man, that effing surgery guy, just because of my approach. Like, I, I came in with like Thor's hammer and it's like, you know, why are you guys acting this way? Like, you should love the fire department like I do. You should want to train all the time like I do. And, and then people just aren't built that way. <laughs> like, yeah. They're not the same as me, like, everybody's different. So. I have failed in sometimes my, my approach into trying to build that culture, right? Like, you know, like I don't, it doesn't make sense why everybody isn't on board. And I've, I've sit there and beat my head against the wall with things that are totally outside my control. And it's driven me crazy to the point where I approach people and I talk about why it's important to do training or why it's important to perform this way on the fire grounds. And I can have completely shut them down because of my approach. It's just, I was too much in your face. It wasn't a, it wasn't from like a coachable position. It wasn't from a position where I'm like trying to explain like why this is a benefit to you. Right. Like if I was trying to change some stuff in the department and I've done like post projects, I've done training projects and stuff. And it's, uh, I've failed in, in the sense that again, uh, instead of just coming in and saying, well, Hey, this is, this is why it's important for you to do this. Right. Because most people don't, most people don't fear like change. Like, you know, we joke around about the fire department all the time. Like people hate change. Yeah. Some do. I mean, and I'm guilty of it too. I've been in that like, Oh man, why are we doing that? Um, but I think most people feel they they fear that loss, right? Like if, if this is different, what can I not do anymore? Or, you know, they, it's that loss that they don't, that they don't like. So um, I've had to change that and say, Hey, look, this is why we're doing it. This is how this will benefit you. Uh, and they're a little bit more open to it, but I have definitely failed in the past when it comes to, uh, trying to drive home a project, whether it's to my administration and I've completely stumbled and fallen on my face or when it's come to, Hey, this is why we should be doing this in the department. And they're like, well, why? And it's like, well, because we just should. Okay. It's awesome. Yeah. You yeah. need to do it. <laughs> you know, the surgery's a pain in the ass. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I didn't, I didn't explain things well. And so that's, that's for more of like a global department um thing but it's no different in the firehouse like i've had i've had people the same way like why aren't you this way like something must be wrong with you because you don't share the same passion as me so i really had to learn how to understand 
people and what drives them and pisses them off. And they're like, think about their prior experiences. Like, you know, you mentioned it in the beginning where it's like, well, maybe they had an officer that wasn't very good. Right. And didn't teach them anything. And then here I am and I have this person and it's like, well, why don't you know this? You've got five, 10 years in the department. What's, what's wrong with you kind of a thing. And it's like, right. wait a second, where did they come from? What are their experiences? And I didn't used to take all that into account. I, I do now. Uh, uh, I still try to do that all the time. But that's definitely one of my my failures along the way was was not really paying attention to those things, not paying attention to people's experiences, and then just trying to be too kind of in your face. You need to do this because it just makes sense kind of a thing. And I don't want to explain a whole lot to you. You just need to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's fairly common of anybody, especially young, motivated folks that get into the fire service and they're like, we just need to do this. Well, why? Because we have to. Yeah, we just need to. Yeah. Yeah. There's no other reason why we just have to do that. We need that kind of hose. I don't, why why am I need to explain this to you? Um, I know you talking about like relationship building and I think that comes a little bit with time and failures too, of just saying, Hey, it's better off if I build a relationship with this chief or this, this senior firefighter or one of our new probationary guys, because if I don't, you know, if I just come at them like that, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get on board. We'll, we'll, we won't win at all. We won't go no, anywhere. Not at all. Yep. Um, and I think that's definitely a big failure. I'm guilty of it. I, everyone's guilty of it. Your first couple of years in, you just, you want change and you think it should change this way because you saw it on a YouTube video or, somebody showed you some cool thing they did somewhere else and you're like, yeah, we got to have this. It's got to happen now. Yeah. You know, I recently went through that where, um, and in fact it was a hose nozzle study we did with a a lot of different things, not only just stuff on the stretch beds, but stand pipes and everything else. And the first time I did it, the meeting did not go well. And I was like, man, what the hell happened? Like I put this presentation together, but again, it was more of a, well, look, this is what we need to do. Like we need to do this. So you figure a lot of those chiefs and a lot of the chiefs in my department, they've been around a long time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 30 plus years and here I am just this, you know, young dude full of piss and vinegar is like, well, we need to do this. And in their minds are like, well, wait a minute. Like the way they received that message was basically like, look, this guy's coming in here and telling us that everything we've been doing for the last 30 years is wrong. Um, Which wasn't what I was trying to do, but that's how it came off. Right. So I had to adjust again. It's like, well, my approach is all wrong here. Like let's sit down, let's show them some of the stuff that's out there. Kind of a, Hey chief, let's check this out. Let me show you some stuff that's out there. This is why it's good. This is why it's bad. Like we're not trying to rewrite the book in our department, but maybe we can, you know, we can change a few chapters here. And they're a little, a little bit more like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I'll take a look. And that makes sense. And it was more conversational other than, you know, this is what we've done. This is why we need to do it. And let's just do it now because well, it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You, we talked, we probably had a conversation a couple of years ago. Uh, you had an instance where you're butting heads with one of your chiefs. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't you guys go like, I have a sidebar conversation, get coffee or something. And you kind of, you have. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly what we did. And I think sometimes in the, uh, in the fire department, but like we, we forget about just the power of good old fashioned conversation. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, we'll sit there and it's like, I can think one thing about him. He may be thinking something about me and that's just toxic because if it's true, then I'm going to make decisions and everything based off what I think he feels about me. And then if it's not true, but people are still pumping your head full of stuff and it's like, you know, I'm still making those decisions. Like, well, this chief thinks this way about me, or this person thinks this way about me and I'm acting in that manner. But all the while, maybe he doesn't. So it's like, well, let's just talk. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's exactly what I did. And I called the chief up. I said, Hey, look, I'm hearing some things. I really want to speak to you about it. And I'd really like to talk to you kind of man to man off duty. And it was awesome. We met at a coffee shop somewhere and 
I said, look, you know, we, I really want to talk to you about this. I'm going to say some things that, that might piss you off. Um, but I want you to be able to say some things that may upset me, but I think we both need to hear it. And I said, if we can't do that, we'll just sit around and talk about the weather. But um, he's like, no, man, let's do it. So we sat down. We probably sat down for an hour and talked about a lot of stuff. It was awesome. In fact, some of the issues and the problems that I thought were there, they weren't issues or problems. It was just all this outside noise that I was hearing. And it's like, well, he didn't feel this way. Like, why, why was I viewing him in this, in this way? And that just simply wasn't true. And then vice versa, he had the same thing coming at me. So it was good. It was healthy. And to be honest with you, the problems that existed before that conversation, they stopped. There was not one not one issue ever came up again after that conversation. It was like it just vanished. And it was all simply because we both had a conversation and we both understood where each other was coming from. So uh, I think that's important. I've always been one of those guys just kind of like, hey, we need to talk about this. And, you know, my advice to anybody who's in that spot, they should just ask. Like, we have a chain of command and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, hey, I told my chief, like, hey, I need to speak with this person because um, – because I think it's, it's the right thing to do and I need to have a conversation. Uh, and I've done that a couple of times and it's worked out really well for me. So as, as awkward or as uncomfortable as it may feel, it's necessary. Yeah. And that chief's one of your biggest supporters now, isn't he? Yeah, he absolutely is. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Uh, yeah, I love that story. I, I had a similar run into with now my supervisor. Uh, now the, the chief, uh, he was captain at the time and they were doing some things with the rigs and doing new inventory. And we got down there. And they started taking stuff off the rig and I'm driving that day and they're putting a fog nozzle where I wanted a smooth bore. Well, it, it was just passive aggressive talk. I knew he was talking yeah. about me. I was talking about him and we both were fired up. And, and again, you know, a couple of days went by and I'm sure there was some, some words, uh, rumor mills went through and through. And, uh, you know, I talked about him. I'm sure he talked about me and yeah, same thing. I got overtime up there. He was acting battalion at the time. And I, I walked by the office like six times. And finally I just walked in and I was like, all right, Captain, look, here's yeah. the deal. I said, you know what? I said, I have no idea what you were thinking. And I said, but you don't know what I was thinking. So I was like, why don't we just hash this out? Man, next thing you know, I'm sitting down, we're in the office for like two hours. Mm -hmm. And now to me, like, like I said, your, your chief's not one of your biggest supporters. Yeah. Uh, you know, him and I see eye to eye on most things and we just, we have a great relationship. So if, yeah, it's, it's tough to do. It's easier said than done. But, and I think I've always thought no matter the rank, you can have those conversations. I, I think we put, absolutely. I respect the rank, right? I respect, you know, your firefighters, your probationary firefighters all the way up to the chief of the department. I think that's, that's great. Right. But I don't see any reason why a firefighter can't just knock on the chief's office or even an admin chief and say, Hey, can we talk about something? Yep. Um, I just think anyone can make, anyone can make a, uh, make a difference or make a wave and just say, Hey, look, let's talk about this or, Hey, I'm working on this. I don't think you need to be in a position of, you know, power or, uh, you need to go through your chain of command through eight different steps to go talk to that chief. You want to have a conversation? Hey man, let's get a beer off duty. Mm -hmm. You know, do you mind? And I've, I've been lucky to have the same conversations. They've been super successful for me and I've just got to know someone on a, on a better level to go, Hey man, I didn't know that people were telling me this rumor and it, what you told me is way off. Same thing that you talk about in the book. Yeah. Don't, don't prejudge people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been lucky, man, with my, you know, with my department too. Um, and there's been a couple times with, with my, like my deputy chief, I have no problem saying it. Like, there, I, like, oh, you know, you can't go talk to him. And I'm like, oh, why? Like, he's, 
but he's the type you can walk in there and it, sure there's a chain of command but I, I honestly think like i said like if i walk in and i want to have a genuine conversation especially there are circumstances where it calls for i just need to talk to this person directly there can't be any hearsay there can't be any third party like we got to sit down and hear each other out and in those cases not once have i ever been like has he ever said or, or even any other chief like no like go through your captain you need to go through your battalion chief it's like no, you know, let's sit down, let's have a conversation, let's talk about it. Now, you know, on the flip side of that, I will go back and say, hey, look, Cap or Chief, like, look, I went and had a conversation with the deputy. It was, this is what we talked about. I, I felt the need. I really had to have a conversation with him, just he and I. But, and I'll lay it all out for him, you know, nothing to hide. And, and again, that support's been there for me. It's not like, it's like well, wait, you, you went behind my back and you talked to the deputy? Right. That hasn't ever happened with me. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen with other people. I, I've been lucky in that sense, but I think it's, again, right, it's all in your approach. If I, if I let them know this is why I did it, this is what was on my mind, you know, if they're like, well, you shouldn't have done that. I mean, they're either, that she's probably just a pain in the ass all the time. But um, I think it's, if you explain it the right way and you approach it the right way, most times it's fine. And in the end, it's always beneficial. Yeah, I agree. The rumor mill in the firehouse, I mean, it's like high school sometimes. So if you don't, you don't know how, you know how it goes. So if you don't get face to face with somebody and that's just goes to prejudging people too. I mean, mm -hmm. if folks come out of the Academy or transferred in and all you thought was this person sucks. And then you talk to them and you're like, Hey, did you know about these three rumors about you? Nope. Never heard them. And none of those are true. You're like, Oh, okay, cool. All right. We're good. We can move forward from this. So, um, so look, man, you spent some time up at the training Academy and then mm -hmm. obviously you've been at, out in a firehouse for a couple of years. Are there any differences you think in your your approach and your leadership style? I know they're they're new, you know, but are you are you doing things differently? That's kind of a selfish question, to be honest. So big time, actually. In fact, when I when I gave you the examples of some of the failures that I had with um, like trying to roll things out, some of those were when I spent time in the train division because here I went from you know I was on the A shift in my own little bubble and you know. I could, I could do some things across the shift from now I'm here in the train division and now I'm trying to roll things out department wide. And I really, really had to think about the audience, like how people learn, you know, cause I was, I would roll things out and I would have people come to me like, Hey, look, you shouldn't roll things out that way. You know, people aren't going to pay attention to this, even stuff like, I mean, there's a little like one specific example. I did a lot of like video presentations, like we mm -hmm. used a center learn platform. Yeah. And so, people would come to me and they're like, dude, I can't take your videos, man. They're like 45 minutes, an hour long. Like we're sitting around the firehouse. And in my mind, I'm like, look, you asshole. Like it's good information. You know, I worked on this. It's good information. Um, but then I had to sit back and say, damn, maybe they're right. You know, maybe I need to put this in a little bit more of a digestible um, package. So it's like, all right, I'm limiting my presentations to no more than 30 minutes. So I had to learn that, um, you really have to listen to a lot of outside perspective. I'm not saying you have to do it all, but you got to listen. And when, when people are telling you, like when one person's coming and telling you it's a problem, eh, maybe not. But then when five or six or seven, it's like, well, maybe I should listen to them. Um, so there was a huge difference in, in the way I did things in the training center. And then the, even just tr training in general, the way I do things in my firehouse, right? Because my firehouse, I got 12 people. When I'm in the training division, I got to worry about like 450 plus and how they're going to accept this training or, or otherwise, you know, so there were some big differences, but I learned a lot. I learned a ton in the training division and I honestly loved my time at the training division. I had a great time. 
Yeah. Did you, you had a hand in some recruit classes too, right? I did. I did two recruit classes. So I came in initially and I taught uh, our EMT intermediate program, which was a lot of fun. And then I did, I rolled right after that. I did two uh, fire academies. Mm -hmm. Did you, like I said, did you find uh, differences in terms of what you were passing on to recruits versus again, you know, being out in the firehouse? Yes. So that was a struggle for me. Um, And it was even because, you know, it's like you have this set curriculum. So I really struggled with some of the way that I had to teach recruits Mm -hmm. versus the way you know, I taught stuff in the firehouse, but I kind of had to just move into like an acceptance phase. Like, look, this is a very strict curriculum produced by the state and some of it's good, but some of it's really bad. And I had to tell myself when, when they graduated, you know, and if you spend time at the training center, you probably hear people say like, Oh, what did you teach those guys? You know, I can't believe you you didn't cover this with these recruits. And it's like, bro, we did it. Okay. So, um, so I used to, to tell people all the time, like, we don't graduate um, firefighters. We graduate probationary members. Like, we have them for eight months or whatever it is. Like, we can only do so much. It's your job to do the rest. And so I really struggled with the way we did training on the street. And because that's, I came in like, all right, well, we're going to do this. It's like, well, you really can't do that. We can't, we can't show them that just yet. They have to, they have to crawl before they walk and and all that. So, um, but eventually I got over that hump and I moved in the acceptance phase and said, all right, well, let's teach them this. And then with the length of our academies, truly, um, as long as we covered a lot of the stuff that they needed to, to pass the written test, to pass the practicals and all that kind of stuff, it's like, all right, well, you've learned this. Now let's show you some other things. So there was, there was a little bit of opportunity to do that on occasion. Um, but for the most part, I, I really had to find myself kind of pigeonholed into into state curriculum and all that kind of stuff. But I really made sure at the end of the end of the academy, you know, we spend a day where we sit down with the recruits and we tell them like good firehouse stuff. Like when you guys go out, these are the things you should be doing just to be a good rookie. Um, and then we told them like, look, you're going to learn a lot of things that we didn't teach you. You're going to learn some things that maybe you think are wrong, but you just kind of need to take it all in and, and cherry pick what you like and, and discard what you don't. So but yeah, that was it. Is that kind of what you're talking about with the difference between the street and the, the training center there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, uh, I agree. And I, I just got moved up there in January. And, uh, you know, I had this super naive, hey, not that I'm going to change the world, but hey, we can, I'm not really a big, you know, get your face and drill sergeant type. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I do, looking back and it's a self-reflection, I, I'm like, okay, well, there's a reason behind some of it. There's a purpose behind some of yeah. it. That's still still not me, but uh, yeah, the book, and I'm not the first one to think it or say it, but, you know, it'd be nice if maybe like the whole, just a meeting of the minds of like a couple hundred firefighters could get together and write a new book because, and the states could adopt it. Because yeah, that's my biggest thing. I, I'll go outside and we'll be doing ground ladders and then I'll go back and look at the skill drills and I'll go, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I got these dudes doing ladder flips or they're whatever, they're doing something completely different than and I got a captain to rein me in, uh, and a lieutenant too that that mm-hmm. uh you know said, Hey, look, man, that's great. And we'll have a little bit of time for that, but you, they gotta be doing this, you know, four force four person uh, you know, ladder throw. I'm like, yeah. And that's usually where I was at. So like when I was coordinating and then I had the same things that the recruits would do something and then the like the instructors that we would bring in be like, Hey man. Like this sheet says this, this isn't how we do it. Like I'm, I'm going to teach them this. Yeah. And my, my response was just like, teach them the skill sheet. If they're good with the skill sheet and they understand that that's what they're going to be tested on, 
then I have no problem with you covering the other things. Um, and it's just, it's such a weird line to, to walk, you know, it's like you said, I wish I, you know, we don't use, I think we use it. We don't think we use IFSA anymore. I think we're using Jones and Barlow, but either way, it's like, there's right. these curriculums that are just completely unrealistic. Um, like I wonder, you know, like if there's academies and I'm probably, I'm sure there's some that are out there. Like if all they did was just curriculum and nothing else, like, Hey, this is going to be a little different when you get out there. Let me show you how to throw this one person 24 because you're riding a three man engine. Mm -hmm. You know, if, when they go out there and all they know is curriculum and they land in a place where maybe someone's not going to teach me a few things, man, they're going to freaking struggle. It's like, well, you know, this is how I learned in the Academy. It's like, um, no, <laughs> I know. And I, I, it, it burns me up. I hate seeing it. Cause you know, folks come out and, uh, you know, and I understand they're new. And I, I like I said, I believe the, uh, it's on the company officers and that first company they're at to say, Hey man, you guys got to get these folks squared away. Like it's on you to fill their book out. Yes. You know, the Academy entails, therefore you should be working harder to, to, you know, I'd say work on some of the things that are outside the book. Okay. Like get their book signed off, but realize that the book isn't foolproof. Now look, it's got some good stuff in it. Trust me. But you know, I think it falls short uh, more than it does good, but it's a curriculum to follow. I understand that, but yeah, it's just, it's tough to look at it. it it's tough to talk to them and always have a caveat because they see you, I know, right? you and I, I've had it and it's been really bad. And every time I do it, I, I have to go, all right, look, I'm like, I need you to pass the test. If you don't pass the test, you don't have a job. So I'm going to do my best to get you to pass the test. And the, but if you want to see what else you can do or what's more efficient, we can have a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what's right or wrong, but yeah, it's, it's a tough, uh, I've been in that position spot. before too. Cause as soon as you say that, you know, they're like, well, wait a minute, do I not mention yeah. what he just taught me? Like, you know? Yeah. And they're all, I, I see the look on their face and they're all like, wait a second. So, and they're all fucked up and <laughs> it's been, yeah. So yeah, I'm working on it and I, you know, I got some folks to rein me in, which is helpful. And luckily we've got some really squared away, uh, senior firefighters that are up there to help us. And it, yeah, that's I, good. That's I good. can kind of go, Hey man, you guys teach them that ladder flip over there and then we'll get to the skill drills here in a minute. So, um, but no, it's, it's a struggle for sure. Um, so one thing that was in the book, and it was talking about playing favorites and I know it's probably counterintuitive to basically almost every facet of leadership, right? Yes, probably. Um, that was a cool thing about this book, actually, because everybody writes about leadership, right? Everyone talks about leadership. And I think you mentioned it in the book. Um, so when I bought it, I was like, all right, I know, this, I know this dude. I know what he's about, but let's, you know, let's, let's delve into this. And I, I found myself after a few, man, I got, I highlighted like 26 pages. I mean, I was highlighting a ton of stuff. And that was one of the big things for me. I went, okay. I was like playing favorites. So you talk about playing favorites and the benefit in that it just ex expand on that because in the book yeah you probably got to that and went or i went to it and i went ooh, what's me playing favorites yeah so it you know it's funny because you're right you say that and people are like oh my god you're a terrible, you're terrible person. You, can't, you can't play favorites like that is so wrong and i'm like eh, is it I, I don't really think so and i think maybe some people will disguise the favorite like well i'm like well do you have go-to people in your station yeah. Well, do you have go-to people that you always go to to get something done? Like they're, they're your guy or girl? Like, yeah. Well, let me tell you something. That, they're your favorite. Like, they're my favorites. Those people are my favorites. And, you know, it's, 
and sometimes I always don't do the best at explaining that to people. Like I don't show, um, like, I'm not saying I would shut people out. Like, like if I have a person on the crew that like these three guys are my favorites on that shift, like, yeah, they're my favorites for a reason, right? They come into work freaking super early. They take on extra responsibility. Like I have a guy on my station. He's like 10 steps ahead of me every day. Dude's awesome. I'm like, yeah, you damn right. He's one of my favorites. And so, you know, if I have somebody that's a total turd, mm. like, yeah, sorry, you're not. Like, you don't do all those other things. It doesn't mean I'm not going to help you with training. doesn't mean I'm not going to help you do this, that, and the other. But sorry, man, this guy's going above and beyond. I'm rewarding you with more opportunity, more responsibility, and that's the way it is. So if you want to get there, then be like that guy, you know? Be, come into work early. Do things the right way. Be motivated. Like, that's how you get there. And you know, I have no problems having favorites in the station, and I have no problem hiding that fact. And they, that may be counterintuitive, and some people look at me like I'm a total asshole. But I really believe that because I think if, I think if you treat everybody the same, then those people who are my, you know, quote, favorites, you know, they're going to look, if I treat everybody the same, like, well, wait a minute, he just treated Joe, you know, turd over here the same way as me. Like, and here I am doing all these things above and beyond for the station, the department. Well, pff, screw that, man. If, if Joe Scumbag is going to get treated the same way, why am I even doing all this? Mm. You know, so, you know, the favoritism to me, I think is okay. I, now, to be very clear, just, you know, and I... I'm sure I said it in the book, like there's a very fine line between favoritism and like cronyism, right? I can't just, I can't right. just pick people like, I like this guy because man, he's got a good score in 18 holes. Like we, we grew up together and we're just buddies. So I'm going to give him preferential treatment. No, 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 no. That is wrong. Like, that is wrong. You know, showing favoritism and, and playing favorites based off merit and performance and job, you know, your job related responsibilities to me, that is okay. And for the longest time, I was like, well, man, maybe I'm really screwed up. But, you know, one of my, you know, hearing one of my chiefs in the Navy say it, I was like, yes, I'm not alone. Like, he believes the same way I do. Like, damn right, I play favorites. You know, these are, these are my go-to folks. These are my favorites in the firehouse. And they got that way for a reason, you know? Yeah, and you just have to be tactful with it. But I, you laid it out pretty good in the book. I mean, you, you made it quite clear that, hey, I'm not like, yeah, like you said, cronyism. You're not, uh, you don't like Bill and, and Mary more than anybody else. But, yeah, yeah. You, you give them more responsibility. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah there's a line though yeah like you said but it was it, it's perfect but that i'll tell you man that uh i got to that portion and i i almost reread it and i was like wow because that's just so counterintuitive what everybody thinks right everyone's got to be yeah i got my 12 folks in the firehouse and i gotta treat everyone my one's the same and my ten's the same and in some aspects you do you got to care for the their basic needs but you can't hold anybody back right i had somebody explain it to me um and I, I, I can't remember who told me, but it was like a money in the bank scenario, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like this person comes in, they, they show up, you know, super early, boom, they're making deposits. They, you know, there's a project or something going on the station, a cap, I'll take that. Boom, there's more money in the bank. You know, they're, the, the way they treat people on calls, the way they treat people, the way they lead training in the station, like they're constantly making these deposits. And there's this guy like, missed it, never shows up to work, you know, on time, uh, always has citizen complaints you know, can't get along with anybody in the station, has problems with, with supervisors constantly. It's like, dude, you're like, you're in overdraft. So, you know, if, if something happens to, let's say this guy who's got all this money in the bank, like maybe he's late one day or, you know, maybe anything can happen. There's going to be a number of violations of, let's say, rules in your department. And it's like, this guy does that. And this guy does that. Yeah, you're damn right. This, the punishment's going to be different in my eyes. Like, 
look at all this leading up. This guy has a reputation of being a rock star. This guy doesn't. Yeah, the rules still apply, right? That they're still both held accountable to those rules, but the punishment varies as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I think you can't look at things in black and white. And I think sometimes just to say, all right, well, this came in, he did this. That's the rules. He's in trouble. You know, like that's just the lazy way out. If you ask me like, no, think about what he's done, where he's been, what he's doing. Like, does this punishment, you know, fit the crime kind of a thing here? You know, if it does with this guy over here, then, then move forward with it. You know, but I, I think you got to be careful about treating people the same and applying rules and punishments the same every single time. I think you have to see in shades of gray. And I think those people that are your favorites, I think they do deserve different treatment because they're the ones out there doing things for the department, the firehouse, the organization, where some others just don't. So it's like, no, I'm not going to cut that person's legs out from underneath them. Like, we'll have a conversation and we're going to deal with it, but uh, I'm not going to completely apply the rules or the punishment the same way. That's just my, that's just me. Yeah, no, perfect. And uh, just listening to you talk, I've had some light bulbs go off and I, I was thinking about, I've had a couple of instances too of that. Um, you're, you're hurting the team ultimately, right? If you got your tens and you're going, you're holding them back or you're not, not that you're playing favorites, like we keep saying that, but you're not letting them do a certain thing or you're, you're treating everyone fairly. Well, it's not helping the tens improve a little bit and therefore the team doesn't get better at all. Uh, we got a few, uh, few recruits now and, uh, kudos to him he said hey I'm, I'm actually able to go to my volunteer firehouse and practice some of these skills off duty like are you okay with me doing that I, I said of course I am he said well I just don't want to get a leg up on the other recruits like I just feel like it's unfair and I was first of all I was like hey man good on your character like that's mm-hmm. I appreciate you wow. saying that but I said man look if you can go fold salvage covers and learn a hose load and put your air pack on more at the station whom I don't want to hold you back. I said, we got one of our guys that has a home gym. I said, he works out harder than, than you do. Nothing, nothing against him. He has the means to do it, but why am I going to hold recruit X and recruit Y back? And I said, guess what? Learn those better and come back and help out your squad mates. And uh, he's sitting there. He's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And just listening to you talk, I just light bulbs are going off going, wow. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad. The opportunity is there for everybody. Absolutely. So like when I was in the training center, um, you know, I had, I had somebody come up to me and we were doing a series of in-services and somebody came into the training center and they were upset. They said, why is it the same people that are always rolling out the training? I'm like, you know what? That's a great question. Why is it always the same people rolling out the training? I'm like, nothing is stopping you or anybody else from walking in here with an idea and saying, hey, Serge, man, we want to do this drill. We want to do this in-service. I would be like, hell yeah, let's do it. I'm not holding anybody back. Mm-hmm. That ain't happening. So, you know, again, it's like, yeah, you're right. Why is it the same people that are always performing, right? It's because that's just their attitude. That's their, they, maybe they've been around the right people. They're self-motivated, all awesome stuff. They're getting treated different as far as I'm concerned. And in fact, in that same story, there was an opportunity in our department for us to have like a train the trainer type model. So who do you think I pick up the phone and call? Hey man, remember you walked in the training center the other day? Um, you know, you had some concerns about the same people are always providing training in the department. Uh, if you have anybody, I'm all ears. I'll, I'll lay out the resources. The opportunity is there. And guess how many of them rotted up? Yeah, not an F and one. I was going to say, so it's like, old zero. shut the hell up. 
<laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, you, again, yeah, you're damn right. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to treat those people differently because they're the ones that are stepping up and doing things. And you're damn right. Those are my favorites. Right? doesn't mean I, I neglect resources. To anybody doesn't mean the opportunity isn't there for those other ones, but other people take advantage more than most. And they're the, as far as I'm concerned, they get, they should get treated differently because they're the ones who are going to keep that station and department going forward, not the others. Yeah. And that, that becomes infectious, right? I mean, they can pass that on to somebody else. Hopefully they make Ooh. somebody better. And your, your hope is that the, the tens bring up the ones, but that's perfect, man. I, I'll tell you those, uh, that was one of the things in the book that like was just perfect for me. And then another one I wanted to talk about, it was, it kind of has to do with on the whole concept of you don't have to do everything. I think you had a member come in and was complaining about one of the other members working out on duty or something early in the morning. Right, and, right. and you, and again, another thing for me, my light bulb went off and I was like, God damn it, how have I thought about that? But you were like, well, hey, what are you doing about it? And they kind of were like, well, what do you mean? You're the officer. And I think everyone holds that title to you're always in charge. You must handle everything. But that delegation that, hey, that's a that's on your level, buddy. That's on the that's on the firefighters. Like You guys can handle that because if I get out, go out there, it's going to be, oh, the, the, the captain came down on me. Um, right. Whereas, say, hey these six folks are against me, not one person. So it's kind of like strength in numbers. They're, they're pissed. I better, yeah. I better fall in line. Yeah. And that's that, that part where I talk about that, that stuff in the book, you know, like the, the, what have you done and all that, it was always like driven into my head that, um, you know, problems should be handled at the lowest level possible. Mm -hmm. And, and sure there's stuff that comes up and there are absolutely things like captain's got to know about this. Chief's got to know about this. We know that. Right. But, you know, sometimes with the captain don't know, won't hurt the captain, right? So um, handling things at the lowest level, I, I expect my folks to do that. Like if there's problems that come up, I want them to deal with them. Like I don't want them running into me all the time. Like they absolutely can't and I will help them. But I want them coming up with their own solutions. I want them working up, working through their own problems. You know, like that guy, hey man, rookie's out there, you know, working out while we're all washing the trucks. And I'm like, I didn't know the whole stuff. There was a backstory. Like sure. I could had asked him to work out because he was going to help cook during the day. I didn't know all that. Obviously, neither did this guy. And I'm like, you know what? I don't – have you talked to him? Well, no, you're the, you're the – you know, I think it was lieutenant. You're the lieutenant at the time. You know, you're the lieutenant. I figured you want to know. Like, uh, I don't really care. Like, I mean, I care, but I don't care. Like, I care more that you haven't had a conversation with him. Like, have you gone out and talked to him? Well, no. Like, well, that's where I would start, you know. Um, and I try not to always give my guys solutions – you know, not only when it comes to handling problems at the lowest level, like I expect them to do that. And I've heard, I've even heard them like on the side, like, well, let's just figure this out before we bring it to the captain. And that's great, right? Because once that problem slides across my desk, I tell them all the time, like, you bring that problem into my office or you put that problem on my desk, I'm going to handle it how I see fit. The captain way, my way, whatever. It might be the same as what you guys did, or it might be different than what you guys did. And if it's different, you might not like it. So if this problem can be fixed before it gets to my desk, I'm all about that kind of stuff. Um, and when it comes to like solutions and fixing things, I try not to just offer them solutions all the time. Like they can walk in and say, something's busted. We need to do this or whatever. It could be anything that happens in the station. Right. But I try to remember to not say, all right, well, let's do this, that, or the other. I look right at them and I say, all right, well, what do you think we should do? Like, uh, well, you know, they say something, but I try to get them to my solution because I'm, I have a solution. I know what they want them to do, but I want them to come up with it. Mm -hmm. So 
they say this, that, the other. And I say, yeah, that's great, man. Let's do it. Or I keep saying, you know, I'll repeat the question like, well, what else do you think? Is there anything else we can do to fix this problem? Well, we could do this. That's great. You and I just met at the same solution, but I didn't have to tell you that's what we were going to do. You know, and I, I do that because if one, I like the fact that if I come in, I want to be able to just support that crew in their decision making, right? I want them to run the station. Um, sure, I'm the captain, but, but I want them to run the station, right? Because eventually some of those guys might promote and they're going to have a station of their own as well. And what I don't want them to do is like these problems come up and it's like, hey, chief, how do you fix all my problems? Right. Hey, chief, how do you fix them? No, man, just fix it. Like handle things at your level, reach out, obviously, if you need some help. But I want them to be able to navigate issues and problems and have difficult and awkward conversations with people. I think that's important um, to, to their development and then, you know, to the, just the department general. Yeah, that, that's perfect. I think you don't realize, not that, not that you're the type of officer, but uh, to do this or, you know, be in the office all day or in your bunk room. But the reality of it is you're, you're spending a lot more time with just the, you know, your firefighters. Mm -hmm. uh, not as an officer, but if I'm, you know, Joe firefighter, I'm hanging out with the firefighters more than anything else. So instead of the officer, so I got to deal with them. I got to be around them. They got to like me. I got to like them. So whether it's, you know, you're in the bunk room, you're riding the medic, uh, whatever it is, or you're just around the station doing stuff, you're around that person more. So if you handle it at that level, usually folks kind of fall in line because of that peer pressure versus one person coming down on them. So, yeah. And you know, I've had, I've had a couple situations where, you know, I, I always encourage that but I've had it to where maybe that problem gets away from the firefighters. Right. And maybe it floats across the chief's desk somehow, like through, whether he overhears it, you know, people talk mm -hmm. and I've had a battalion chief come right to me and say, um, Hey, what's going on with this, this problem? You haven't said anything to me about it. I'm like, well, you're right. I haven't. Um, um, I know it's, I know it's a problem or it's something that has come up. The guys in the station are dealing with it. I'm letting them deal with it. If they can't figure it out, then I'll step in. But I want them to try to figure it out. And and again, I've been lucky that that particular battalion chief was like, mm, all right, I I can see where see where that's where you're coming from. Um, but if it gets to you, then it gets to me. So if it makes it to you, then I need to know about it. I'm like, all right. And then it ultimately it never did. And you know, I remember him following up with me a couple of weeks, like, hey, you guys still having that issue over here? I'm like, no, sir. Ship shape over here. All good. You know, so he's like, all right, you know, doesn't cross, come across his desk. He's good to go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because he's got a million other things to worry about. So, yeah. Um, well, hey, look, uh, obviously, you you learn a lot from other folks. Um, you referenced uh, General Bruce Clark a bunch of times in the book. What what else have you read or what else are you reading to kind of or watching or following to kind of improve yourself? So I, I listen to a lot of podcasts because um, I just like getting people different, uh, you know, ideas perspectives and everything like that uh you know i'll read anything you put in front of me um so like right now i'm reading the culture code so i try to read a lot of things about like team building and and, and figuring out how other people are successful with building teams so podcasts reading obviously going out there to conferences mm -hmm. uh, listening to what people have to say and just again just trying to figure out how other people do things and I, I'm, I'm no different than anybody else i hear things like you know what i'm gonna try that i read that and i'm, like, I'm gonna try that um, but I have a few, a, a couple books in particular that have like always, I always end up going back to it and reading over it. Cause I think they're just spot on. And, and one of them is small unit leadership by uh, Dandridge Malone. Mm -hmm. It's a short book. It's not very long, but it's just, it is like the firehouse. It's perfect. Cause he just 
talks about certain types of attitudes and people that, you know, that they can and won't. He breaks into like four different personalities of what you'll see. It's just a great book. Um, so, you know, constantly reading and then, you know, a lot of self-reflection too. you know, these decisions that I make and at work, it's like, man, did I really, did I really screw that up? Or, you know, did that go well? And I try to look at those experiences and learn from them as well. But, you know, just, just constantly trying to diversify my portfolio. Uh, I'm hoping will, will help me out, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just read that book, small unit leadership. Uh, it was, I think Dan Shaw at Andy Frederick's training days last year. He mentioned it and I scribbled it down and then I looked at it. I, I bought it like a day later and yeah, it came I and I, it, yeah, I, I started scrolling through it. And for some reason, you know, I, I've read a, a decent amount of leadership books and you start at the beginning and then you kind of go, ah, man, this is kind of the same thing yeah. over and over. And yeah, then it starts that way. Yep. Right. And then uh, same with your book. Like I, I was going to finish it. I was committed, but after, you know, a couple of I was like, all right, cool. So no Jared more. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know, 22 pages in, it was like, got me. And same thing in his book. And uh, I told my chief of the day, and just like you said, I, that to me just elevated to like the number one. Um, I highlighted almost, I don't even know why I highlighted stuff because almost the entire book is gold. And yeah, it's awesome. Breaking your folks down into that able and willing. And yep, that's what I was, able and willing, yep. Able and not willing, yep, yep. Yep, and unable, unwilling. And I literally took that and I took, you know, I took stock of, uh, you know, a few things, uh, you know, with me leadership wise. And I went, okay, here's where some of these folks lie and how do I work on them? Then that last little, probably like 40 pages or so, he talks about certain scenarios. And then he says, this is the scenario. Yeah. This is what you do. This is when you do it. This is how you do it. And this is how you know you're, you're succeeding. And I was like, holy yeah, shit. It's gold. Yeah. And I, I like, cause he takes it one of those, like, let's say one of those types of people that able and unwilling like which is the worst right because you know this person's totally capable and it's like how to have a specific conversation with them how to like how to say something the right way and i think he even has it broken down in a column like what you might say what you should say and i don't know it was just so well done yeah it it's funny too you, that's nine, copyright 83 i think mm -hmm. it was and uh it's just so funny because all this stuff you look at nothing's really changed i mean someone yeah. puts a new stamp on it and luckily a lot of the folks that are reputable or respected are going hey i'm not really i didn't write the book on it i kind of stole it yep. amongst other people but hey i'm just putting a spin on it just letting you know my yep. successes and failures and um i found after that book and it solidifies it to me i'll i'll start something and go i don't want to waste my time and then it's always been beneficial whether it's mm -hmm. been a class a podcast a book um I, I just like to see it through and you go Holy crap. Like I really, yeah, right. I still took something from it. Um, I just thought about this. So do you ever have like an issue where you, you, you're pretty reading that book, for instance, I had an issue uh, recently or I read that book and I was like, I got to do this. I have to do it. Brought it up to a group of folks and they kind of shot me down, <laughs> but I'm not saying I'm always right. My gut was just telling me, Hey man, I, I got to do this. Everything in me is telling me I got to do this. Even though everyone was telling me, no, that's dumb. Nah, don't, don't waste your time on it. We don't need to do that. We already told them this. You ever have any instance where you, you kind of not so much go behind someone's back, but you go, Hey, I took their advice, but I, my guts tell me I got to do this. As in they're as in they're trying to tell you to do one thing and then you just choose to do no, another. So at my fault for not being clear. I, I really good. wanted to uh, talk to some of our folks on an individual basis. I brought it okay. up and it was, eh, no, nah, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. They know the expectation. It's, it's not worth your time or whatever. It's, and I, 
it killed me for like two, three days. And then finally I said, I'm doing this and I'm going to take care of it. And it was gold, gold for me. Uh, I, I got to get to know some of our folks on a different level, learn more about them, learn hopefully what motivates them. Uh, yeah, I just, I wasn't, wasn't sure if you, cause I've done that recently where I've gone against the grain. Uh, my guts tell me, Hey man, you read this in every single leadership book, but everyone else is telling you, don't waste your time. It's not worth it. I've been here before. Yeah. So one of them, you know, you mentioned expectations that was like that for me. And so, so I had people tell me, you don't need to do that, man. Like people know what to expect. Like this is a fire department. Our jobs are the same, blah, blah, blah. And, but all these books, I'm like, you, you lay down, you sit down with people, you go over these things. And I remember talking to one of my buddies, Rich, I'm like, Hey, like I'm, I'm reading all this stuff. Like, do you sit down with your people and go over expectations? He's like, yeah, all the time. Why you, you haven't done that yet? I'm like, well, like, yeah, you dummy. how do you do that? Do you, like I'm reading this stuff that says sit down with them, tell them exactly what's wrong. I'm like you literally sit them down at a table and tell them your expectations. He's like, yes, I literally put them at the galley table and I talk to them about my expectations. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. And, uh, and it worked out great because, you know, I thought like, here I am reading all this stuff. Like I should be doing this. I'm like, man, this is just going to feel super awkward if I try to implement any of this stuff. Like, people are going to look at me like I'm a total bozo. And so I read it. Like, eh, I don't know. People are telling me, you know, yeah, maybe you should or you shouldn't. And then, you know, like Richard particular like, yeah, just do it. I'm like, all right, what the hell? Here we go. And when I sat down to do it, it was awesome. Like it was, it totally exceeded my expectations. Like, wow, this stuff works. Like what they're saying here, maybe they've done it. They tried it and it actually works. And when I, when I sat down to have that conversation about like expectations in particular, I was surprised by how people took it. Like, I got that they were just going to sit there, like they'd be playing on their phones, like, you're just an asshole. Right. What do you want? Like, they listen, they were like, well, they're like, oh, thanks for sharing that with us, you know? And um, it turned into, um, and it's funny, like this, this one guy in particular, I thought it was pretty funny, but I mean, I, I, I gave him credit. So I was like, all right, guys, is there anything you expect from me? Like, I'm trying to do, again, like in the book, you know, like, Ask them what they expect of you. I'm sure. Okay, I'm going to try it. Like, what do you guys expect of me? And a couple of them kind of sat there quiet. And honestly, most people, they don't seem to say a whole lot when I ask that question. But one guy kind of threw his hand up. I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, look, man, when, I, when I'm on an ambulance and I tell you to, like, I asked you to clear, um, like, I don't, don't hover over my back. And I was like, oh, all right. Like, I was a medic. Like, I'm a medic. I get that. So I was yeah. like, no, I'm good with that. I'm like, if there's, if there's a reason I'm sticking around, it's because something in my gut or based off my previous experience, like, I'm like, eh, let me just hang out for a little bit. But I was like, but I can appreciate you saying, Hey cap, you know, get up off my back and trust me a little bit here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that was one of them. The expectations thing read Cause I feel like I read that in a lot of leadership books, right? Like sit down with your people, tell them what you expect. I'm like, I'm not actually going to sit down and tell them. Right. But it worked out great. Um, and I've, I've had a couple other moments like that. I can't think of any like thing in particular, but I remember having that feeling of, well, I read this, this makes sense and I'm going to try it and, and see how it goes kind of thing. And, and for the most part, it's been successful. Yeah. I guess if it, and it, just having this thought now hearing you talk, I mean, if it makes sense to you, why wouldn't it make sense to other human beings? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you may not reach all 12 of them, but Hey man, maybe nine out of 12 are like, yeah, this is totally normal. Like what, course i want to hear expectations like if i don't know then you know I, I i often think about that too i look back and i go well, what the hell did you want like what did you want out of your your officers or what were what are leadership qualities that 
you wanted to emulate and why are you trying to be different? Like, yeah, I had another time where there was something going on at the station and you know, I try not to like, um, like just sweep problems with the broad brush. Like I want to go after the problem and not like just punish everybody kind of a thing. Yeah. Something happened in the station. I can remember going to somebody and asking for advice on how to deal with it. And I'm like, Hey, I think I'm going to just get the whole station together. Cause there's like a lot of chatter. People are saying this, they're like, I need to tackle this problem. I want everybody there. And they're like, no, just, you just need to go after that one person. Cause you have a pretty good idea. Who's causing the problem. I'm like, uh, yeah, I could do that. But you know, I want to eliminate rumors and yada, yada, yada. So I, I went against what other people were telling me to do. Like, Hey, just go after the one person. I'm like, Nope, I want everybody in a room. Like we're going to, we're going to handle this as a station. We're going to handle it. Like this is the family here. We're going to figure this out. So I got everybody in the room and I was like, all right, everybody, here's the cards on the table. This is being said, this is being done. I want to know who's doing it. I want to know where it's coming from. Like, this is an open conversation. It's a bit cannibalism in here. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was like, I want everybody to speak their mind. And, and when I asked that people spoke their mind. So, um, but it was good. And I'm glad I did it. Cause I think if I'd have handled it a little bit differently, like, well, let me just go after this one problem. It would have been, you know, who knows, they could have lied to me. They had bent the truth. And it's like, Nope, let's get it all on the table. We're all exposed here. Like everyone in this room, let's figure it out. And it was yeah. good. I'm glad I did it. I've only done that a couple of times and it could be, if no, if nobody's controlling that conversation, it can turn kind of ugly. But um, but it, in the end, it was beneficial because everybody knew who the problem was, and uh, and maybe it was a little bit of a shame campaign because I kind of knew who it was too. But it's like now everybody knows, and this isn't going to happen again. And this is where we stand. So, um, and then it worked out for me. It could have gone ugly and not worked out, but luck luck was on my side, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. What's pretty nice about what you were talking about, just getting everyone together, is just even like stripping folks of their rank almost being like, hey, look, we're just a bunch of human beings in the firehouse. Yep, exactly. Let's just have that chat. Uh, I had a chief recently do that at one of our uh, committee meetings and uh, we made it quite clear right off the bat. And it was, you almost saw everyone just go, oh, okay. He's like, look, there's no rank here. I understand the operations chief. We got battalions, we have captains, we have firefighters, we got guys with 20, 30 years, we got guys with five years. And he said, look, we're all the same. Let's just have a conversation. And if it gets heated, it gets heated. But we're here to work it out. Here's the, and I, uh, there's definitely some benefit in that. That's cool. But, um, and there's definitely time and a place for it, like you said. So, um, well, hey, man, what was the whole, in, in case there's somebody on here that's going, I want to write a book. What, what was the whole writing a book process like for you in terms of actually getting this thing, not only, you know, finishing their Microsoft Word, but going, hey, can someone publish this for me? Yeah, right. Um, so it was obviously new to me. So when I, when I finally had it all put together, and, you know, when it started, um, you know, I don't remember when I said, man, I'm going to write a book. But I had, like, you know, I was writing blogs and I had all these opinion pieces. And it's like, well, let me just put this all in one package, you know. And so I decided to do it. And I would sit there and write, you know, and I'd, I'd work hard at it for a while. And then I would not do it for a while. And it was just, like, back and forth. And I went, like, through these, you know, these moments where I'm like, is this even, no, this is dumb. I'm not going to do this. And, like, I just put it on the shelf. You can read this anyway, you know. Yeah. So once I finally decided, all right, let's go. So I, I wrote it all out. Lucky for me, uh, my cousin is an editor. Um, so I sent her what I had and she edited it all. Um, because I, you know, when it comes to grammar and all that, like I'm a fireman, I'm not a, I'm not an author. Right. right. So, um, so I did the best I could. In fact, there, I'm sure there's still grammatical things in there because when I sent her the initial draft, I was like, Oh, I got some more I want to add. So 
I told her, I was like, hey, I added a couple more things in the book. And she's like, oh, we'll just send it back to me. I'm, nah, it'll be good. And then as it goes off the publish, I'm like, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but but I don't, that's fine. So once I had that done, um, you know, it was like, well, how do I publish this thing? How does, how does this work, right? So I had it all done. I had it created and it was ready to go to publisher. So there's so many different ways you could do that. Like you can, and she helped me out a lot with it. Like you could take basically your project or your book and send it to a publisher and say, Hey, this is what I want. This is, um, you know, this is the audience. This is who I kind of want to read it. Yada, yada, yada. You almost kind of have to sell why they should publish your book. Um, that comes at a cost. And then from what I understand, when you publish through somebody else, they, they basically own your material and they can distribute it. They can do everything else or you could self publish. Now, when you self publish and that's what I did, um, you, and you can go through, Am I went through Amazon. I'm sure there's some other ones, but it was a really, really simple process. So I basically just gave it to them and they're not going to edit your book. They're not going to market your book. They're not going to do anything to it. They basically just, yep, we got it. And then we'll, as people order it, we'll print it and we'll, we'll sell it to them. So that was easier for me. Uh, it was cost effective. And then like for me, I have more control of the book. And what I mean by that is like, if I went through a publisher, right. And let's say, um, I wanted to buy a bunch of books and I could take them and give them out to people or, or sell them at conferences or whatever. Um, with a publisher, it's really weird. So I had a buddy of mine who recently published a book and it was a non fire department related book. But when he would want to go do like a book signing or go like a book signing, I'll just use that. He can't just go online and get a bunch of his books. Like he can't buy. And that's, I have to do the same thing. I buy my books from Amazon and I could take them somewhere, give them out, sell them, whatever. Like for him, because he's a publisher, he's got to go like, let's say Barnes and Noble, right? Hey, I'm going to do a book signing at Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble has to buy the books for him. And then he shows up. So, and so Barnes and Noble is in total control of his product. Uh, and if that if if that's not what you care about and they'll market it for you and all that then go for it but for me i'm like i'm i'm not big time i don't need a big publisher i just want to be able to have people buy the book and have an easy way for me to get get my hands on some to give to other people um yeah. so self-publishing was pretty easy other than that it was just the artwork on the cover like i can remember i tried to do it myself initially i was like yeah this looks really good <laughs> So I, I took it to one of my friends. I was like, hey, man, what do you think about this art, this cover for the book? He's like, bro, that looks just terrible. That's just plain as shit. I was like, oh, man. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he's, he's like, man, you got you to use a graphic person. So I found a designer and just sent them. He just sent them ideas. I'm like, look, fire department, company officer, leadership, here's some pictures. And she did her thing. And, and that's the cover we got. So yeah, no, it came on good. Easy process in the end. Um, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts about doing something else? Doing a second one? No, man. I don't know if I have the energy. I'm inherently lazy like a lot of people. So I'm like, man, another book. That's a lot of work. Um, yeah. You know, Jeremy, he and I were talking about trying to do a book where, and I really, it's, this is his idea. It is not even my idea. Yeah. Um, but he's like, man, you should think about getting like, like um, subjects, right? So like teamwork leadership cohesion whatever and then reaching out to like 10 different people fire department folks military you know a number law enforcement and have each one of them write their own version like you know three or four pages on how to build teams um so you get one guy from the military you get a guy from law enforcement you get a guy from the fire department and i'm sure a lot of it will be similar 
but you have some different approaches and perspectives and then just put all that into one book. And it's just this compilation of different added, uh, ideas on how to handle things. And I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll ever do it, but <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, man, maybe if I decide to tackle something, that might be the next thing. You got to get him to do it. Like, yeah, he's, not, yeah, like right. he's not busy enough. He's so freaking busy though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you started trial by fire. That's your own, that's your other company and you're pretty active on social media. What, um, where else are you, where else are you presenting that, uh, that platform? So, um, there was a lot of stuff obviously that was going to go on this year. And of course with this, this virus, a lot of it's canceled. Um, but yeah, I'm mainly all on social media is where, is where that's all taking place. The website, you could find some stuff on there. Um, but going around when I do the, the trial by fire stuff, it's all, it's all been the company officer leadership stuff. I haven't really, um, you know, doing other class. I enjoy teaching other things. Like obviously I like doing leadership, but my, my passion is engine company stuff. So, you know, going out and teaching engine classes, I don't do that under, under trial by fire. You know, I do that real fire training. The other guys will pick me up to have me come out and teach engine classes. I really enjoy and love doing that. The trial by fire stuff is exclusively the, the leadership stuff. Um, I don't know if I meant it to start out that way when I first did it, but that's just kind of how it went. Um, so just that going around, um, you know, usually I'll do full day classes for departments around the country and, you know, four hour, eight hour classes. Um, but it's all been driven by social media and it's all for the most part just been driven by word of mouth. So, but it's been a pretty fun experience. Yeah, and you've been FDIC, right, a couple times doing that class. You're going to be there this year. I saw that at least. Yeah, it was going to be this year, um, this week, right? Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week. FDIC. Yeah, right, so we're into it. Um, this week and then, you know, Firehouse, some conferences here and there, um, but mainly it's just going out to, to departments and, and doing some stuff, which is, which is always interesting, you know, because depending on the crowd, you know, you can have a really, really engaged crowd. It makes it easy, or you can have – you like you, you know you you've taught like you sit up there teaching and you're looking at the crowd like do they do they even are they even awake right now like are they paying attention like a yeah song? you know yeah that's that's i told uh someone the other day that 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 shuts me down completely it's a huge it's hard, yeah. Mind. yeah i i i don't know how to fight it and how to fix it but you sit there and you talk to people and everyone just gives you a blank stare like oh man any questions are you guys into this and no one even answers you and you go oh. yeah and then your presentation like should be four hours, but it's like, you know, you're done like an hour. <laughs> All right, man. So that was cool. Appreciate it. You guys going to no, no questions. All right. You know, it's. Yeah. But it's yeah. been fun. I enjoy doing it. And, you know, going around the country and teaching has been awesome and meeting people. It's just so cool. Uh, you know, and everywhere I go, you know, I, I try to remain humble and I tell people like, look, I'm up here giving my opinion. I'm not up here. Like this isn't, there's nothing absolute about what I say. It isn't like do this or you're a bad company officer. Like it's none of that. It's, it's like, Hey, this is, this is what I do. This is what works for me. This is what doesn't again, like just take what you like. And if there's stuff that you dislike or you disagree with it, then don't do that stuff. Um, but I'm just up here to offer opinion on, on what works for me. And it's, it's been, it's been a cool experience. It's been pretty fun. And I enjoy getting up and talking about, uh, the role of the company officer, and it really all just all goes back to what we what we talked about when we first started this was just that development of people, and you know I I say it all the time that um, you know if we're not out there developing ourselves and developing other people, then then that mad cycle of just you know the unprofessional development goes mm -hmm. it, it goes on and on. You know, like we get people that don't do anything for themselves, they promote, and it's like 
oh, why is this lieutenant not doing anything? It's like, we saw this coming a mile away. Like, why are we scratching our heads acting surprised? Like, they didn't do anything for themselves. They're certainly not going to do anything for other people. And now their lieutenant goes to a chief. It's like, man, this chief does nothing. Yeah, no shit. They didn't do anything as a firefighter. They didn't do anything as a lieutenant. You think like they magic, like they get this magical t-shirt and like just, they just change overnight. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, you're, you are, you are spot on. Um, I think it's just got to do your best to be patient and spread the word. Um, yeah, and hopefully you get other folks on board and if they promote, they promote and then they can, you know, do good stuff for the department. You know, obviously you have a pretty good following. Um, I think you're making a difference. I'm sure you probably are in small pockets. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate it, man. The book was great. Uh, your website's great. I've taken the class before. It's fantastic. I recommend it to anybody. Um, where else can folks go out and find you on social media, anything like that? Yes, yeah, so man, <clears throat> many on Facebook, excuse me, <clears throat> Facebook. And then I have an Instagram page too, as well. Um, that's the easiest, that's the easiest way to find me and track me down is, is through there. Yep. Awesome. Um, well, that's it, man. You got anything else to add? Nah, brother. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on, man. I get to rambling, so hopefully I answered some of your questions. No, no, you're good. I got more. I, I Trust me, we, we could probably do a part two of this. Um, actually, I do have one more question. One more yeah, question. Up. And this is Grant can't be on today or couldn't be on today. Oh, yeah. um, but this is really one of his questions he likes asking uh, at the end is, and really it pertains to the topic we've talked about so far, but you know, are we – Maybe you might hit on it, but are we missing anything generally throughout the entire fire service? Are we doing anything wrong in terms of leadership, I guess, as a whole, as you look at the fire service? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. You know, when it comes to if we're missing something, I don't know. But so, so I'll give you one thing that I hear. I don't know if I hear it a lot, but I hear it more than anything else when it comes to people describing their leadership is, and I, and I mentioned that my book, my book was, they, they, oh, this person forgot where they came from. I hear that a lot. Like, and I don't, like if, if they say something about somebody, it's not like, well, they weren't good tactically on the fire ground or, oh, you know what? Administratively, they're weak. It's, if they're going to just give a general description of a person in a leadership position that's negative, for me, it's commonly, well, that person just forgot where they came from. Right? You know, that, I would say that's probably top three. Um, so I think if we're missing something, it's that. I think if, you know, if people choose to promote, they need to remember they're still firefighters, right? Like, um, like don't, don't get into a position of a lieutenant and then like get tickled pink because you could take the chief's test soon. Like just be a lieutenant, you know, like be, be a good firefighter, be a lieutenant, like spend, spend a little bit of time trying to be good at that job. Um, and I'm not knocking anybody that goes from like lieutenant in two to three years to the captain and then captain in two or three years to chief. People do that and they're absolutely successful. But I would argue the ones that, that are successful are the ones who spend time in that position, like trying to perfect that position. Like if you're going to be a lieutenant on a ladder, damn it, try to be like a good ladder lieutenant, right? If you're going to be a captain on an engine, then be an engine captain. Because when you promote to chief and you promote any higher and you haven't done any of those things, I think you lose touch with the line because people will bring stuff up to you and you're like, well, that's not important there. We we're good here. You know, we, we don't need to do that. That comes from a place of either lack of experience or it comes from a place of, well, you never bothered to make the investment when you were in that role. So they, they're not going to, they don't connect with you. So 
I think don't forget where you came from. Like, remember you were a firefighter once. Remember you were a rookie once. Remember you were a new lieutenant once. Like, whether it's the way you treat people, the way you punish people, the way you counsel people, the way you had just have, simply have conversations with people, like, you were in their shoes once before. Like, you know, we tie our shoes the same way. Yes, you get a certain level of respect. Yes, you have a certain level of authority. Yes, you have a certain position in the fire department. Um, but you're a human being just like anybody else. So don't forget where you came from. I think if people do that, um, you will have more respect and you will get, get more credibility from people on the line and really across your whole department than, than doing a lot of things, doing things other ways. Like that picture I posted this morning, right? It's your guy's fire chief. He's out there rolling hose. Yeah. Um, and some, you know, some can criticize that and say, oh, he's just, you know, and not just him, but people in general, like, oh, this is just a photo op. And it's like, no bullshit. The guy's out there rolling hose, and there's, uh, there's hundreds of other fire chiefs like him. And I, I, hopefully there's thousands. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, no, this is a guy who doesn't forget where he came, where he came from. And something as simple as that um, gets the respect of the line, right? So when he rolls out a program, and I'm saying he like, like y'all's fire chief, but anybody, like this person rolls out a program or they make a decision or they, they do something in a department, people aren't so quick to cut their legs out from underneath them because they're like, you know what? This guy was out rolling freaking dirty hose uh, in the cold or, you know, he stopped by the firehouse to have lunch and just talk shop or, or whatever the case may be. Like, we know that he has or she has our best interest in mind. He or she remembers where they came from. So I think that's, if I had to narrow one thing that the fire service is missing, I don't even know if we're missing it, but maybe we could do better at it is, People from the top of the organization, organizational chart, to the middle, even on down to the bottom, don't forget where you came from. You know, like just, just remember those positions you once filled. Yeah, no, that, that's spot on. We're, we're super fortunate to have what we have now as, as a chief. And yet, like we talked about earlier, man, people are watching. They're paying attention. You stated in the book and people see that. And I don't necessarily think it's always showmanship. You know, it's not necessarily they're out there to say, Hey, someone's going to snap a photo of me. But right. uh, I think generally if you're in a position doing something like that, you generally want to be there and, you know, lend a hand. So no, that's perfect. No, thanks for answering that question. Um, that's it, brother. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate what you're doing uh, for the fire service. And um, yeah, if you want to come back on buddy, we got, we got time for you. Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. I'd love to get back on and talk about this engine stuff or tactics or whatever. That'd be great. Yeah, sign me up. We'll do it. Sweet. So, all right, man. I appreciate it. All right, brother. All right, buddy. Later. See ya.